The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Hey, what's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 271 for Thursday, February 5th, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning in, My Take Radio is a variety show airing Wednesday and Thursday evenings at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. On Wednesday nights, we cover mixed martial arts and professional wrestling, On Thursdays, we talk gaming, some tech, and some entertainment, plus sometimes some pop culture sprinkled in for good measure. As always, MTR does have adult language, so listener and viewer discretion is always advised. All right, so last night, or should I say this morning, we wrapped up the Wrestling and MMA edition of MTR, and um, earlier today I had an interesting conversation about journalism ethics uh, with a couple of friends of mine. And um, the reason a conversation came up, and I'm jumping right into the monologue, clearly, um, was because of the announcement that AOL was pretty much shutting down a lot of their sites, including Joystick. Now, many of you know that amongst all the different gaming sites that are out there, it was usually Joystick, Kotaku, uh, later on Polygon, IGN, and a lot of the big companies. And the funny thing is that we always had our favorites. IGN was favored for its active community and its thriving community, but also got a lot of flack because of its unilateral approach towards reviewing games. Uh, Joystick and Kotaku would exchange fan bases depending on which talent was involved in the content that was being created. Polygon, of course, came was essentially spun off from The Verge and really approached gaming a little differently. And of course, you have all your niche sites in between, ourselves included. Now, the reason that this conversation, like I said, came to came to pass was because with the announcement that Poly well, correction, the announcement that Joystick was gonna be folded, um, it really just opens your eyes to how the just the way we get information from a gaming standpoint or from an entertainment standpoint, has evolved so much. Long gone are the days when we would buy a Wizard magazine if we wanted to know what was going on with comics, 
or Toy Fair if we wanted to know what was going on in pop culture and collectibles or EGM or GamePro or Nintendo Power or any of the other magazines that were out at the time that were our, our source for everything and anything related to our interests. I mean, I remember the days when you'd go to GameStop, you'd get that Game Informer subscription, and that subscription actually meant something. It actually meant that you'd get to see a game in advance or you'd get to see some pictures or you'd get to see some features that you really liked. Um, EGM was one of my favorites at one point, strictly because EGM just, I liked their review system. I liked the people that were involved. I liked their approach towards just gaming and providing content. And then on the flip side, you look at other companies that kind of jumped into the mix that started covering gaming and pop culture. I mean, Maxim, FHM, Playboy Magazine, a lot of a lot of those different magazines started kind of encroaching on the gaming niche. And what ended up happening was that the gaming niche essentially from a print standpoint was just dismantled. It really was because nobody the information that you could get from month to month was was pretty much disassembled and distributed at a rapid pace courtesy of the internet. You knew, excuse me, you knew that if you went into a forum or if you went into um, just a certain a certain group or if you visited certain sites, you knew that your your needs were going to be met. You were going to get gaming information sooner rather than later. And again, this is just an evolving medium with with the internet available to so many people across the world. We're seeing more and more sites come up trying to get their get their message out there, trying to get their content out there. And while I am saddened by what's going to happen with joystick, I've heard rumors that they're going to find a way to roll it into Engadget. I don't know how legitimate that is, but um, I, I want to say this, and this is what I want to kind of talk about, about journalism ethics. In, in this day and age, we got so many different opportunities and so many different ways that we can consume content, whether it's from websites, social media, uh, YouTube, TED Talks, podcasts, you name it, that we we tend to lose sight of what we're trying to accomplish. And I, I know a lot of people are out there with their websites and their podcasts, and they're trying to deliver this message that's that they try to differentiate themselves from everyone else. But what ends up happening is there's a lot of carbon copies out there. There's a lot of people that are essentially regurgitating a lot of the same stuff that they find everywhere else. We try to give you guys as much original and unique content as possible. Don't get me wrong. We do have to fall into the into the trap of of sharing a lot of the mainstream news because it's part of what we're trying to do here. I mean, if you're trying to grow a business, you got to do some of the stuff that's expected plus some of the stuff that's unexpected. And the one thing that I've noticed is everybody has a site nowadays. Everyone has a site. Everyone has a blog. Everyone has a way that they can get their quote unquote message out there. And while it is wonderful and I think it's great that so many people are being creative, what's be, what's happening is, is that the waters are getting muddied. They're getting muddied with people that are just throwing together reviews and, and you know, copy and pasting and essentially just being a a repository for everyone else's content. And that's what's been bugging me, especially during a conversation we had today where we were talking about some of these other sites. And, you know, there there are sites that have come up like Nerdist is a great example. The Verge is another example that, you know, they're offering something a little bit different, a little bit unique, sometimes quirky. Sometimes the personalities work to get your message out there. 
And I think that that's going to be the evolution of the medium as a whole going forward. I think that at the end of the day, people aren't going to give so much. They're not going to give a shit about how they're getting the news. They're going to want to know who's giving the news to them. And if they can, if they can vibe with that person, if they can, you know, feel some sort of kinship with people. And that's something that, you know, we're, we, we try, you know, we're trying our hardest to, to do. We're trying to differentiate ourselves from everyone else. We have an eclectic staff. We have just different content that we present to you guys in a, in a unique and different way. And um, the funny thing is that during that conversation, somebody said to me that I'm one of the few long form gaming podcasts that, you know, gaming, wrestling, MMA, entertainment, pop culture podcasts that are out there that really thrive in the long form format. And it's weird because, you know, I look at our numbers and our numbers are, are solid, you know, and I thank so many of you guys for tuning in and hearing all my rhetoric every week, uh, whether it's here in the U.S. or internationally. Shout out to you guys as well. Uh, the fact is that, you know, we're, we're, we're all an eclectic group of individuals that really try to give you guys the best message possible. And with the with the quote unquote dissolving of joystick, it, it doesn't really make. It doesn't make a vacuum. On the contrary, it creates an opportunity for another site to step up and create something new, something unique, and something special. And that's where, you know, I, I noticed that everybody's all about getting news out there first. Everybody wants to get news out there first. Sometimes you don't want to be the first guy. I'll be 100% honest. There are some days I don't want to be the first guy. I want to be the best guy. I want to, you know, I want MTR and Rageworks to give you guys the best content possible. Sometimes you don't want to be the first guy because the first guy who come in, blow, you know, you come out, you blow your load. Everybody's like, oh, this is awesome. And then within a couple of hours, it's dead. Now, if you bring something different to the table, something easily accessible, easily consumable, you create a niche, you create something different. And that's what it is. I think that for, for Rageworks and for My Take Radio, you know, the, the mantra for Rageworks is that we are the cog in the pop culture machine. That's what we are. We're, we're everything. We're, we're comics. We're toys. We're gaming. We're mixed martial arts. We're professional wrestling. All our interests converge in one machine, the machine that is pop culture. And I think that for everybody else that's out there that's trying to be the next Kotaku, the next Verge, the next Polygon, the next... um. You know, just the next big company. Stop trying to be the next big company. Be your own company. You know, create, make your own lane. Instead of trying to be the next Apple, try and be just the next whatever you're trying to create. And that's that's what kind of gets me. You know, I see so many sites that, you know, so many, and, and I know these people. They're colleagues. They're people that I know. And, you know, they're, they're cool people. But they just copy and paste race. They're part of the copy and paste race. It's just, oh, I got to be the first one to get this out because, you know, I need those hits. The hits are going to come if you do content that people give a shit about. Simple as that. You know, I write the three R's of wrestling for our wrestling segment. Um, you know, we post it on our site. It's quick. It's to the point. Three things. What was good, what was bad, and what was awesome. Simple. To the point. People want to know, hey, I miss Raw on Monday. What's something that I should have seen? Oh, let me check that out. Sure, a dozen people do a dozen different recaps, but nobody, you could read a recap anywhere else. 
Same thing with, with game reviews. I don't want to give you a five-page game review. You don't give a shit. You guys don't care. You guys care about, is it good? Is it bad? Or should I buy it? That's it. Everything else is just minutia and words on a screen. Nobody wants to do that. It's, it's the difference between the New York Post and the New York Times. People love to read the New York Times when they want to be super informed. But if people want to be entertained, they read the New York Post. Same thing with the Daily News. You pick and choose how you want to consume your content. So I wanted to kind of throw that in the monologue because I just want to tell my fellow podcasters, my fellow journalists, everybody that's quote unquote on the come up. Stop worrying about filling the void left by another gaming site. Instead, worry about filling a void for something that you feel is missing. Like us, I feel that what's missing out here is giving you guys the realest shit possible. That's what it is. You know, I want to be able to 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 log on to to Rageworks and tell you guys this game sucks. I don't give a shit if they gave it to us to review, it sucked. Here's why. And that's it. So, again, to my fellow colleagues in the quote-unquote industry, do yourselves a favor. Do not strive to be the next big thing. Instead, strive to be the next different thing. Simple as that. Anyway, what do we got on deck for tonight? We got a shit ton of gaming news. Uh, We got a fair amount of entertainment news, especially because we did not do a gaming and entertainment show last week due to my uh, sinus issues. So we're going to get into that. And, of course, we're going to take your calls, 347-324-3541 if you want to contribute. Otherwise, you can head to mtrlive.com, hop in the chat, and share your commentary there. Of course, we will read it on air. If not, you can find archived episode, archived uh, versions of My Take Radio, including this episode, on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. If you're a fan of video, of course, you can find it on our My Take Radio and RageWorks YouTube channels. And, of course, reruns, courtesy of our friends on the GFQ Network. All right, guys, let's get this ball rolling and jump into this week's gaming news, shall we? All right, so before I get into this week's gaming news, I want to acknowledge, before anyone asks, before I get any tweets, yes, this is a Balrog boxing shirt. Yes, it is. And it is courtesy of our friends at East Coast MMA who actually put this shirt out. Uh, Pretty badass. You can check it out at eastcoastmma.com. We will put a link in the show notes. But yes, that is a Balrog boxing shirt, sure enough. Uh, Definitely one of the many cool uh, video game oriented uh, video game theme shirts that they've put out and it just it just had to be bought I, I made the pilgrimage out there to pick it up and I had to share it with you guys and I know that a lot of you always send me messages or tweets asking about certain shirts so there you have it that's where you can pick that up all right so let's talk some gaming news shall we first and foremost uh, looks like we're gonna get a slew of brand new Lego games of course the Lego games have carved out of a niche all their own uh, very unique Very special, of course, from Lego Star Wars to Lego Lord of the Rings to Lego Batman. Uh, So many great games, so many highly positive reviews that we shouldn't be shocked that they were going to venture into other universes. Well, one of the first titles that they're going to be putting out is going to be Lego Jurassic World, which is actually going to follow the storylines of Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park 3, and, of course, Jurassic World. The game is going to be available in June 
for Xbox One, Xbox 360, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, the Vita, the Wii U, the 3DS, and Windows PC. In addition to that, they're going to release an Avengers Lego theme game as well, available in the fall for all major consoles. Ah, Slick is right. It is gonna. It's actually supposed to use all of the Jurassic Park films, including the newest one. I did leave one out, but yes, the Jurassic Park game, the Lego version of Jurassic Park, is gonna have and take place through all four films. Uh, the other one that they're gonna be releasing is Lego Ninjago. Of course, if you've gone to any Toys R Us or Target store, you've seen the very odd and yet very cool-looking Ninjago figures. Um, of course. It should not come as a shock that Lego will be releasing a game based on that property. In addition to that, of course, they are releasing a Lego movie game for iPhone, iPad, and and uh, iPod Touch. And um, you'll be able to pick that up right now in the App Store if you're interested in that. And, of course, Lego Batman, which is, um, you know, everybody loves it. I've played, I've played a couple of versions of it. And initially, I just felt that it was childish and kind of hokey. And then I just got sucked in and... I really, really enjoyed them. So if you're into the if you're into the Lego games, you're definitely going to have a couple of games um, keeping you keeping you occupied. But in addition to that, you're also going to have a lot of great titles that you're going to be able to allow kids to play. And that's one of the one of the big things. I mean, gaming is is, of course, universal. It it has no gender. It has no age gap. But I think that uh, young kids deserve really good quality games. And I think the Lego series does a tremendous job with that. Again, keep an eye out for that. Make sure to check out our release calendar on RageWorks. It's all the, it's right on the bottom of the page, and we try to keep game releases, movie releases, upcoming fights, etc., on that calendar. So keep a lookout, be on the lookout for that, and you'll be able to see some of the release dates for all your favorite games and movies. All right, so. Of course, in the month of February, we know that there's always free shit on the horizon, courtesy of PlayStation Plus and Xbox Live Arcade, and we actually have the list of titles that you guys can pick up. Of course, if you're picking up games from Microsoft, you know that you have a window from the 1st to the 15th to pick up one set of free games, and then from the 15th to the 30th, you have the window to pick up the other set of free games. Meanwhile, of course, on the PlayStation Plus side, you have an entire month to pick up whatever you choose. So... Uh, first, you're gonna get um, Draws a Rex box, which is all month, which is all month long. Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons is gonna be available on Xbox 360 from February 1st to the 15th, and of course, Sniper Elite V2 will be available on Xbox 360 from the 16th to the 28th. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where if you're on on Xbox 360, you're you're getting some decent titles. I know a lot of people are are feeling that. The Xbox 360 support is fading. Um, I kind of agree. I'm noticing less and less and less uh, stuff really being talked about for the Xbox 360. Um, it's it's craziness, you know. I think that for you know, if, if you're on the on the Xbox Live arcade system, I definitely think that you're going to get the most benefit if you have both a next gen, quote unquote, next gen and current gen consoles so that you can get the most games possible. On the Sony side, you get a lot more games, of course. You're going to get Transistor and Pantheon for the PlayStation 4. You're getting Yakuza and Thief for the PlayStation 3. Kick and Fennec will be available for the PlayStation 4, and Rogue Legacy will be available on all three systems. Uh, I just got a communique from a friend of my, from one of my friends telling me 
that uh, the video feed is off. Can you guys, uh, or is stuttering, can you guys confirm that the video feed is all right? Let me know what the deal is. Um, Slick, how's that video look on your side? Anything? Bueller? (laughs) Okay, thanks, Val. All right, for those of you that are having issues with the video, click the Vaughn live stream on the top of the video player. You should be able to use that to watch uh, that particular feed of the show. I know Slick always has um, a tip at the ready to make sure that you guys get the best feed possible. Use the Vaughn live feed. Otherwise, you can listen to the 96K stereo Mixler feed on the bottom if you want to only listen to audio. All right, so... For those of you that have the EA UFC game, you guys know that EA has actually been uh, quite generous to those of us that own the game and um, has been giving us a lot of free fighters. Of course, the last update gave us Matt Hughes, Mark Coleman, and Brock Lesnar, but there's going to be another update where you're going to get Holly Holm, Eddie Alvarez, and Rafael DeSanjos, and of course, Anthony Rumble Johnson, all free courtesy of EA. I think that it's one of the one of the good things Um, that I've liked with EA Sports UFC, that they've continued to keep the game current or as current as possible and updating the roster pretty frequently. I think this is one of the things that I hope will be the trend for the foreseeable future. I think it's one of the big negatives with the WWE games. I think that um, roster updates, costume changes, music changes are updates that should be given out for free and should allow you us to extend the shelf life of a game that we invested $60, sometimes even more if we purchased all the DLC. Think about it. With EA Sports UFC, how long has that game been out? Uh, Since June, maybe July. And here we are now in 2015, approaching the one-year mark for this game, and we're still getting fighter updates on the regular. I think this is one of the things for WWE that they really should take note. Think about it. You have uh, WWE 2K15. Here's a here's a great example. Uh, Daniel Bryan just came back, got a new T-shirt. Instead of waiting for the shirt to be created by a community member, you should allow that shirt to be an alternate attire in an update. Or if you're using, you know, uh, a guy like Adam Rose is a good example. You notice that, uh, you know, he he's his ring gear has changed and same thing applies. Same thing with Cesaro, same thing with Tyson Kidd. I think that's one of the things that would really keep and extend the shelf life of the game. I mean, don't get me wrong. WWE 2K16 is already under, you know, in development and is being worked on because it's been confirmed by WWE.com. But the fact is that games that require such frequent frequent roster updates should be updated and released, and I've said this before, at least semi-annually, or at least implement what the what EA is doing with the UFC game, and allow some of those other characters, um, allow either the characters, the music, or things like that to either be changed, or at least be kept as current as possible. I'm not saying that you got to keep it current right down to the month, but maybe every three months, depending on, on which character you're using, you should be able to do that. I mean, in in WWE 2K15 now, yeah, the shield is still together, but if you wanted to have them come out with different music or the different attires, you'd have to download um, a community creation instead of WWE just releasing a roster update 
that will, you know, give Roman Reigns their new ring gear and the slightly tweaked shield music. Same thing with Dean Ambrose. Same thing with Seth Rollins. I think that's one of those things that it, it, it really shouldn't be very difficult to do. Same thing with, um, you know, some of the other characters like, you know, Big E, Kofi Kingston, and Xavier Woods. You know, they're part of the New Day faction. And sure, you could put them together in the game. But if you wanted to get the matching attire or any of that, you'd have to either download a community creation or create it yourself. And again, just who wants to deal with that shit? Val says, WWE got to offset the losses from the network. <laughs> that That's actually very smart. Slick also says, John Cena has a new shirt every month. This is true. If you go to WWE 2K15's community creation section on Xbox One or PlayStation 4, you'll see that guys are already creating updated versions of these characters. And again, why do you want to go through all that to download a version of this character? You can't even put the music in. Like, at least let people download the music or maybe connect their MP3 player to to the Xbox and give these characters their own music. I mean, how difficult is that nowadays? Just, you know, you can you got all that storage on the consoles. You can use flash drives. How difficult can that shit be? It's 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 insanity anyway. So, of course, over the last couple of weeks, we know that Mortal Kombat X has been releasing a lot of character trailers um, you know, Ermac, Reptile, Cassie Cage, Raiden, you know, just uh, Kung Lao amongst many of the other characters. Well, I got some other news for you. Of course, this shouldn't come as a shocker, but you're going to be able to purchase not one version of Mortal Kombat X, not two, not three, but four different versions. Now you're asking yourself, why would I want to purchase one of four different versions of the game. Well, allow me to sh- to give you the scoop on what you're getting and how much it'll cost you. So the first one is the Mortal Kombat X, X Collector's Edition with an estimated MSRP of $149, bucks. you are going to get an exclusive Scorpion figurine and certificate of authenticity designed by Course. Uh, Course has been recognized as a collector and designer in the figure communities and... Um, you know, due to their really, really unique and practically really cool um, artistic approach and, of course, their dedication to detail. Also, you're going to get an in-game gold scorpion skin inspired by the figurine that you're going to be getting from Course. Um, You're going to get the combat pack, which is going to give you access to four add-on playable characters from classic combatants to iconic guest characters. I'm I'm assuming that Goro is going to be part of that as well as three other characters. The other one, get this, this collector's edition is going to be a Euro version, but it's going to be available for, for pre-order from Amazon exclusively, has an MSRP of 179 Now, stick with me. First one, collector's edition by course, 149 This Amazon.com Euro version, 179 You get a scorpion statue, an exclusive steel pack and steel card. You get Mortal Kombat X Blood Ties Comic Book Volume 1. You get the in-game gold scorpion skin, the combat pack, all for that wonderful price of $179.99. As Slick writes, fuck this in the chat room. If you want to go a little cheaper, you can get the premium version, which has an MSRP of $90. That's available for download only. 
on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, 360, PS3, or Windows PC, and that only includes the combat pack. So think about it. You're paying $90 for a non-physical version of the game to get the combat pack, and that's it. And you're paying a whopping 90 bucks for that. There's also going to be a GameStop Limited Edition, which is going to run you $94.99. That's going to have a Scorpion skin designed by the Cold War. Um, it's inspired by the Cold War. It's a collaboration between NetherRealm Studios and a fan artist from MortalCombatCollective.com or MKCollective.com. You're getting the combat pack, so you're going to pay $94.99 for that. In any case... All these versions, plus the standard $59.99 versions of the game, will be available in April, uh, well, correction, on April 14th. So there you have it. If you want to pick up Mortal Kombat for any of these systems and you're really, really jonesing for a special edition, like I said, you got four editions to choose from. They're all a shit ton of money. And honestly, if I had to do it, and I mean, if I really, really had to do it, I think the best value would probably be the collector's edition because at least you're getting a scorpion statue. Now, I've seen a couple of different pictures of the statue, and some pictures make it look really, really good. Others make it look kind of suspect. So, you know, definitely do your research before just going to pre-order it. And like Slick said in the chat, watch an Ultimate Edition come out during the holidays, which is true. I would not even be shocked at this point, but... If you're a hardcore fighting game fan or even a hardcore Mortal Kombat fan and you want to kind of get get the upper hand, so to speak, in terms of collectibles, then those are the choices you have. Now, as I said, the um, the collector's edition with the Scorpion statue is is probably one of one of the, the the version I would go for. But the collector's edition by course actually looks promising as well, because that figurine, depending on how much of a how big of a run they do of that particular set who knows maybe you could get a couple of bucks extra for that figurine i've seen instances where certain you know game tie-in pieces go for a couple of bucks more than they should when they're sold by themselves on ebay but again if you're buying it i doubt you're going to buy it just to to sell everything by piecemeal even though i know a couple of guys that bought the uh, wwe 2k15 um hulk rules edition and they were selling the nwo hogan 50 and 60 bucks by itself you know the the hollywood hogan funko was being sold by itself for 50 or 60 bucks and it's like so you spent 100 bucks just so you could sell that funko for 50 so essentially you just paid 50 bucks for the game and i mean i see no logic in that and the reason i say it is because if you went and you invested the money it's because you wanted the shit if you're gonna sell the shit piecemeal why why go through the hassle that's just me. I mean, there's certain things that I've bought that it's because I really, really wanted them. Like I bought the um, the big Street Fighter box set with the Ryu statue and it comes in the special Akuma keepsake box and I paid regular price for it. Don't get me wrong, but I bought the shit because, yes, I could probably sell the contract. I mean, the uh, the soundtracks and, you know, the art collection and all that stuff and just keep the box. But at the end of the day, I wanted the entire collection because it really was something that, as a Street Fighter fan, I needed to have. So think about it. If you guys have Mortal Kombat on your radar and you want to pick up one of the special editions, those are your choices. Again, the game drops in April. You can pick up the regular $59.99 version 
or whatever system you choose. But if you want to go a little extra and ball out, you can pick up some of those other additions as well. Now, it should not be a shocker to anyone that Call of Duty Advanced Warfare is still getting DLC packs. Number one, because it's going to keep the game on everyone's radar. Number two, because they're going to nickel and dime the shit out of you in order to get some of this stuff. Well, Activision and Sledgehammer announced that they're going to be multi-platform releases of all their DLC. The first one being the Havoc DLC pack, which will be available for PS4, PS3, and Windows PC on February 26th. Now, that Havoc DLC pack comes with four multiplayer maps, new weapons, plus a new co-op mode, Exo Zombies. So, if you have a PlayStation 3 or PlayStation 4 and are currently playing Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, the Havoc DLC pack will be available on February 26th. Now, of course, if you want to get it for Xbox One, you can get it via the Season Pass, or it can be purchased individually for $15. So, Xbox One and Xbox 360 have zero problem getting that Havoc DLC because it is currently available. But PS4 and PS3 versions of the game plus Windows will be getting that Havoc DLC on February 26th. (laughs) Slick says the season pass does not include this shit, the $50 season pass. Um, It does include it if, if you purchase the season pass, but... For those of you, for those that purchased the season pass for PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4, they didn't have access to that DLC till February 26. But again, if you want to buy that that DLC by itself without the season pass, it's going to run you 15 bucks. So there you have it. Speaking speaking of Activision, get this: during Blizzard's fourth quarter call, they said that Destiny is going to be getting a major content release later this fall along with other content which is going to be released before year's end. It's going to be a huge expansion, and it's going to be very robust. And, of course, mind you, you're going to get that expansion, and they're already working on Destiny 2. So uh, Destiny's House of Wolves is going to be out later this year. Then there's going to be one other major expansion in the fall, and probably one final expansion, which I'm sure is going to close out 2015 with... um, a brand new destiny most likely hitting stores in 2016. So there you have it. If you've been on the fence about destiny or have put it to the side, you know, pick it up. There's some new stuff dropping that should extend the game shelf life. And as far as I've seen, and from most of the people I've talked to that are playing the game, they're really enjoying it. And they're, they are looking forward to all the DLC. So again, if you are a destiny fan, be on the lookout for that DLC, the house of wolves, which is due out later this year. Now, this next bit of news, I'm sure, is going to really, really agitate Slick as it agitated me when I heard about it, but it is that Nintendo will be releasing Amiibo variants. Now, of course, we all know that the Amiibo figures are highly sought after, whether it's related to Smash Brothers or any of the other game franchises that are going to make full use of the figures, They are a hot commodity. I've seen people on Facebook uh, trying to do figure exchanges or looking for certain characters. And, you know, I mean, it's cool, whatever. It's no different than me collecting Funkos. But I do feel that 
it's starting to get a little crazy on Nintendo's part because they haven't even released all their figures yet and they're already talking about variants. Anyway, according to um, one of the users on NeoGAF, um, they are a Mario figure from the Super Mario Amiibo series, which launches March 20th. And alongside Mario Party 10, you're going to get a gold and a platinum Mario figure, which are going to be available. Uh, from what I've heard, the um, they're supposed to be out around that time, and they may be retailer exclusive. I just, again, you know, gold, platinum variants, it's, it's really getting ridiculous. At least if you're going to do variants, at least have them in different poses, or, or just make them look a little different, but instead of just doing just the standard Mario in the in the same pose and then making them gold or platinum, unless it's going to enhance the or augment the ability of that particular Mario in-game, I really don't see this as just a marketing... I see it more as just a marketing ploy to get people to run out and, and hoard these figures. I mean, you know, we already got... We already got some of these figures in high demand going for 50, 60, sometimes even 100 bucks, depending on which figure it is. Uh, Val says that they should give him the teddy bear suit. That's what I'm saying. At least if you're going to release a Mario variant, you know, maybe Tanuki suit Mario or Hammer Brother costume Mario. Same thing with a Bowser. If you're going to do a Bowser variant, maybe put him in the clown ship or maybe do an 8-bit version, which looks kind of cool. But don't just, you know, oh, look, it's a gold one and a platinum one, and this one's going to be worth 50 bucks. It's it's ridiculous, and um, I just feel that it really turns, it, it turns something as easy as collecting these figures to enjoy in the games to a reseller's market. And don't get me wrong, resellers, I got nothing against them. Hell, I, I hustle too, and sometimes I pick up certain things and I sell them on eBay, but what's happening is that you're taking something that's so quote unquote innocent and you're turning it into this crazy fucking phenomenon. I mean, I see people on Facebook, yo man, I got, you know, two Wii Fit trainers that I'm trying to sell and they're like, you know, $25 a piece. It's like, dude, you paid 12. At least if you were going to say 15 or 20, but but you're talking 25 and 30 or 40. It's like, yo, get the fuck out of here. It's ridiculous. And what's going to happen is all these people that are hoarding these figures or trying to make all their money, they're going to get bit in the ass. I mean, when I was heavy into action figure collecting, one of the highly sought after figures, if you were a fan of the Marvel Legends line, was an unmasked Wolverine. And I know a couple of good friends of mine that were in the action figure trenches with me can vouch for this unmasked Wolverine, which at one point went as high as $500. Mind you, it was going for $500 on the convention floor. At New York Comic Con at one time, that unmasked Wolverine was going from anywhere from $300 to $500. Uh, the most I saw it was $650 or $700 on eBay. And then you know what Marvel did at the time after you know the company that put the figures out, the Marvel Legends? They said, all right, we're going to give it to you guys. We're going to fuck you guys real good. And they ended up releasing the figure as just a regular figure, no longer a chase, no longer limited to one in 10 cases, just j- released for the general public, and they just eviscerated the entire secondary market. I remember comic shops that had this figure out for 300 bucks, 200 bucks, 400 bucks, and by the time it was all said and done, they had shelves full of them. They were, they were selling them for 5, 10 bucks, 15 bucks a pop just to get rid of them because the market was destroyed. 
And I have a feeling that those of you that are going out there thinking that this whole Amiibo craze is going to be, you know, it's going to be the next Beanie Baby or the next, you know, Marvel Legends or the next big thing. I got news for you guys. Nintendo's going to catch you guys when you least expect it. And they're just going to flood the market with all these Amiibos. And you're not even going to be able to make back remotely. Uh, you know, you're not even going to be able to make, turn a profit that's that that'll cover all the bullshit you went through. Simple as that. It's like what Slick said, you know, a dry bones Bowser or what like Val said, which I mentioned before, a teddy bear or a Tanuki suit Mario or a Hammer Brother costume or a frog costume. Maybe you want to make the eight bit versions, you know, something like that. Maybe you want to do you want to do, um, you know, like I said, Bowser in the clown ship, eight bit Bowser, dry bones Bowser, um, you know, same same thing with little Mac. Maybe you want to have a regular little Mac. Maybe you want to have him in the training suit. Maybe you want to have him on a, on a little stand with the um, with the trainer on the bike. Whatever the case may be, at least if you're doing those type of variants, you're doing it because you're trying to give people choice, not because you're trying to make people run out and, and just try and flood the market with just reseller with figures just jacked up to ridiculous prices. It is absurd. I mean, it was crazy enough that that Samus with the double guns went for thousands of dollars on eBay. Thousands because it was a misprint. And don't get me wrong, misprints have their place, and I've made my fair share of money off of it, but I can understand if you made 50 bucks off that misprint, 60 bucks off that misprint, but dude, we're talking thousands, and somebody fucking paid that, which is crazy for an amiibo. It's insanity at its best. It's ridiculous. Anyway, I just got a communique that Slick is on the line. Let me bring him in, see what the deal is. Mr. Slick, what's good? What's up, man? I don't know, dude. Shit's getting crazy out there. Gold and platinum versions of fucking Amiibos now? Dude, what year is this? Well, the only person who's going to come out on top because apparently he's insane and doesn't care is the guy who went in and tried to buy up all the Rosalina figures because he has a strong hate for Rosalina. He's not looking to sell them. He just doesn't want anybody to have them. You know so what's weird? He's sitting on a, a bunch of Rosalina figures, and that's it. But but is this a real person? You're joking, right? No. You There's know this person? He, when they announced like the, the Target exclusive Rosalina figure, right? He like bought up all the. He said he he saved like thirty five thousand dollars. Shit, I don't understand why. It's like you gotta be insane, even if you hate the character. But just to say that, go ahead. That he's basically saying that instead of making, I don't know, I guess a different Princess Peach character or something like he, he's basically mad at basically the creation of of Princess Rosalina. Period. And he bought up a bunch of, like, he spent thousands on Rosalina Amiibos. But wasn't that character in Super Mario Sunshine? Am I right? No, she's she's from Super Mario uh, Galaxy. Super Mario Galaxy. There you go. So, let me get this straight. This fucking boob, this idiot, this numbskull, this dummy, who I hope you don't know... <laughs> 
decided no, that. No, I don't know. Okay, this this boob decided that he's gonna stack his chips to buy all the versions of this figure because he hated the character. Yes, and he doesn't want anybody else to to be able to enjoy her. Oh my! What a fucking moron! Who does that shit? I've heard of dumb fucking people, but that's the dumbest shit ever, and I'll tell you why. Because what did you think? You were going to go into Target and buy all of them? Did you not think, hey, restock? No, he bought them up online. Oh, God. You know you know when, when Jay and Silent Bob went to people's houses and asked them about their reviews that they wrote on moviepoopshoot.com? You know what I'm talking about, right? I want to knock on his door. I want to knock on this guy's door and say, you really thought it was a smart idea to buy every one of these figures because you're an idiot. And the minute he answers yes, I want to reel my foot back and kick him right in the nuts. Right in the nuts. And while he's doubled over, I want to take a shopping cart, fill it with all the Rosalina figures, and give them away for free outside of Target. <laughs> like, that's the kind of idiocy that we're dealing with. And this is what I'm saying. This is right up there with the dudes that are talking about two-for-ones. Like, yo, I'll trade you two We Fit trainers for Rose. I'm like, are you kidding me? Well, as far as trades, I'm not mad at that because, you know, that goes back to, like, baseball cards and shit like that. But Right, but... But answer me this, when did one when did we fit trainer? <laughs> when did that character become so valuable that you required two of them for one princess? When, <laughs> when Nintendo decided that they that they were not going to make any more because nobody was buying them. Yeah, dude, but still that's fucking bullshit because you know what'll happen? One day they'll just be like, Oh, we got a couple of more a couple more. We're gonna put them out. Like, I'm sure Nintendo has a mold for it. Like, they could say, oh, we changed our mind. We're going to start reissuing Wii Fit trainers again. You know what I would do? I would make, I would, I, I would, if you want to really fuck with people, I would make a Rob the Robot amiibo. Worst fucking thing ever. And make him one out of every five cases. Meaning you got to kill yourself to get the most worthless amiibo ever. Or 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 the or the character, the main character from Gyromite. God, I barely even remember Gyromite. I, I couldn't get it into NES when it first came out. Dude, I, I got to play Gyromite. Let me tell you, my 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 grandmother, she she thought that she was she was at the top of the food chain, cause this this she got this guy, who she was friends with. He gave her Rob the Robot, <laughs> with Gyromite. So she walks into the crib, and she's like, oh, look, I got you this robot. You can use it with a Nintendo, and I'm looking at it. And I knew for a fact that this motherfucker was as worthless as a fucking asshole on your elbow. Worthless. Worthless. I, I'd, have, I'd have more fun trying to lick my elbow on camera than using Rob the Robot and playing Gyromite. What an awful fucking game. 
awful. Dude, I'd rather watch paint dry. Dude, I'd rather watch paint dry. And that's what I mean. If Nintendo wants to really mess with the quote-unquote collectors, I would release Amiibos for characters that are completely worthless. Like, I would release an Amiibo of Magikarp. And you can only use Magikarp in a game. He doesn't turn into Gyarados. Straight Magikarp. Straight splash attack. <laughs> just, to, just to be that no, kind no, of an asshole. real evil. You'll make it a double pack. It comes with Magikarp and Phoebus. There you go. Just just worthless characters, dude. Because, again, that's how collectors... This is how you kind of weed out people trying to game the system, people trying to, you know, collect and trade, which I have zero problem with, and people that are hoarders. Hoarders that are just going to buy them all in the hopes that they make them rare to drive up the price. Fuck those guys. Listen, I'm all about the hustle, dude. I am all about it. You know, I was I was one of the people that used to know a guy in a Target and slip him a 20 so I can go through the boxes before they went on the shelf. I was that guy. When I worked nice. in the when I worked in the comic store, I used to go with my boss to KB Toy Store. KB, which you you know this. Go to KB. He had a guy that he would bust down with a hundred bucks every first of the month to make sure that every case that came through, he would send him a picture message with all the figures in the case. Nice. This is how this is how serious shit was. And then we'd go, we'd buy them for seven ninety nine a pack, and then put the figures out for fifteen bucks or twenty bucks. Again, it's a hustle. It is what it is. But a. Uh, you know, you either bought the shit or you didn't. And don't get me wrong, we'd get bit in the ass a few times. There were a couple of guys in those Marvel Legends lines that nobody fucking bought. You know, who really wants a, a, an action figure of long shot? Fuck that guy and his stupid three fingers. No, but it's like Danny was saying in the chat, as useless as he is, she'd buy Magic Card. I mean, I probably would too. Right, but, but buy a bunch of them if they're only people. Yeah, but you see what I'm saying? You'd buy it, but you're not buying it in the in the in the hopes of driving the cost up. You know what I mean? You're not trying to be that type of a guy. Yes, Val, long shot, that guy. Or Mojo. <laughs> Remember Mojo? That big yellow turdish looking dude with the spider legs? Another terrible fucking figure. Fucking sucked ass, Although, dude. Although honestly, I I'd buy a Modoc, even though you'd never you'd probably never be able to stand it up properly. Oh, dude, I would buy a Modoc immediately just because he is without a doubt them one of the underrated yet most popular fucking douchey bad guys. Modoc is the worst, dude. He is he is probably <laughs> in my top five list of 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 Marvel characters who I just hate for no reason. Like the Submariner. Fuck Namor and his pointy ears. Modok is like crying without the rest of the body. Dude, hate his character. Hate him so much. You know who else I don't like? Arcade. Remember when they made that game of, of I think it was Spider-Man and X-Men, Arcade's Revenge? Oh God, another dude, another shitbag character. Wolverine had to run away from, like, he was running away from Chuggernaut. And it was just the worst. Oh, God. We, we fought 
for weeks trying to beat that damn board. Dude, terrible. Terrible fucking character. Again, we all have characters that we just hate. Those those are in my list. I hated, you know, I you know who I used to hate I, on the Flintstones cartoon, the Great Kazoo. If I could have jumped through that TV and punched him in his little green fucking smug face, I would have. Anyway, let me not let me not beat the shit out of pop. <laughs> let me not go on my on, down the pop culture toilet. While I got you on here, you know, you made a mention earlier today about um streaming. So I wanted to bring it up because Nintendo wanted to create created a program because what happens is if you're a, a a YouTube streamer or just a streamer in general and you stream Nintendo games, you can't monetize them because Nintendo gets pissed off and they usually file some sort of copyright shit and they screw you over. So what they did was they created their own, you know, uh, payment system, their own program. So what happens is, is that um, in order for you to make money off YouTube videos, of course, the process, you'd have to put the video up. It would have to be approved by Nintendo and then you'd be allowed to monetize the video. But what's happening is that people really read the fine print and um, number one, Nintendo can't keep up with the demand. Number two, which shouldn't come as a shocker, is the fact that people are trying to get in on the program and the only way you could do it, and this is the part that's crazy, is that they are only games that you have to have on a Nintendo-approved whitelist. Which means that it's not every Nintendo game, it's only certain games. Okay, that makes no sense. Thank you. So basically what they're saying is say that you have, you have, I'll give you an example, Bayonetta, Lego City Undercover, and Mario Kart. So let's say you want to stream Bayonetta and you put it up and you put it on YouTube and Nintendo and you put monetize. That game may not be on Nintendo's monetization list and they may not allow you to monetize it. So yeah, you can upload the game and maybe they won't complain. Maybe they will. But again, it's just one of those things where Nintendo trying to do the right thing, they're just fucking things up. Because according to what they say, we're only able to register videos that contain game titles specified on the list of supported games. If And then they, they, they say it the following. If a video within your channel contains game titles outside of the list of supported games... Please remove it from the channel before registering. If you are unable to remove the video from your channel, please register each video that contains game titles on the list of supported games individually. So not only do you have to jump through all these hoops to get your to try and monetize your Let's Plays, but you can't a you can't number one monetize all the Let's Plays for Nintendo titles. That's number one. Number two. You can only monetize the ones that are on a list. And number three, you got to make sure that the cha- that the games that aren't approved aren't even on your channel. I'm trying to see if I can find a list. Yeah, I'm going to put... The, I, I got the list right here. I'm going to copy it and paste it in the, in the chat room. But dude, this... Why can't Nintendo just listen? You're playing our games. You're streaming them. Fuck it. 
You're creating you're creating a you're creating word of mouth and attention for everybody else. That let's play of Splatoon or that let's play of Bayonetta or that let's play of, you know, Zelda or any of these other games is going to possibly get people to buy the shit. Exactly. Like I just don't understand how Go ahead. No, I'm saying even if this random person is getting money off it, I mean, it gets people to buy the game. But dude, it's not like Google is paying out fucking buku money. Dude, you get you get pennies for a fucking advertisement. Cause most people either they got ad blockers or people don't know how to monetize their shit. And I'm gonna tell you, if you're putting original content on YouTube and you're doing let's plays and shit like that, and you're not trying to monetize the games, and you're not trying to upgrade your equipment, then you're hustling backwards. Simple as that. If you're putting out let's plays and you're spending all this time putting your content out there, you know, then fuck. At least monetize your shit. Danny just told me that Google is paying fees to bypass ad blockers, so... There you go. There's that. Those days of you trying to fucking undercut the the banner ads or the preload ads in videos is going to be over. But Nintendo, once again, and we've talked about this on numerous, numerous versions. I mean, on numerous episodes. Dude, they just they just can't get their shit together. On one on one side, you got all this great shit that they're doing. Then on the flip side, it's like, oh, yeah. You guys want to monetize our videos? Well, we're just going to make you do it in the most ass-backwards fucking way possible. Does that make any sense, dude? No. So... I mean... I don't understand a lot of Japanese things. I'm not not trying to sound racist. No, no, no. It is what it is. Right. But let, let, let's be, let's be, let's, let's think about this in a, in a rational sense. You're a game company. You want to get your games in front of the most eyes possible. One way to do it is commercials. You got to pay money for those commercials. You got to pay for ad placement. You got to pay for this. You got to pay for that. Gamers are free marketing for you. Like they don't like that's what gets that's what kills me streamers let's play they're all marketing for you you know you know companies that you know they hire a street team and they do all this shit because they want to generate a buzz youtubers and vloggers and gamers are generating that buzz and you know what you have to pay them donut let them make their fucking five cents a click. If they wanted to stop people from, like, blocking their ads, what I would personally do, I would make, first of all, I would make ads that don't have audio because the actually watching commercials online piss, pisses people the hell off because if I want to watch commercials, I watch broadcast TV. I understand that, but... Make, make, you know, just visual, you know, no audio ads, and... If somebody's doing a let's play, if a video plays for more than, like, let's say two minutes, have something just 
slide the screen over about, you know, 20%, and have that ad just come in as the video's playing. Okay. Yes, it'll still be annoying, but the person can't do anything about it without stopping the video that they want to watch. Yeah. They're still watching the video that they want to watch. Well, let me let me let me break things down a little bit. Not not for you, but just for those not well versed in in the art of YouTube. Um we have two YouTube channels currently. We have our My Take Radio YouTube channel and our Rageworks YouTube channel. And we try to monetize as many of our videos as possible. When you monetize said videos, you get choices. You get pre-roll ads, mid-roll ads, post-roll ads, and you know the little the little banner shit that pops up on the bottom. Those are your choices. If you're not taking the time to figure out which ad you want to use for your shit, then you're fucking yourself. If it's a game that's incredibly popular, people aren't going to fucking want to sit there and watch a pre-roll. So in that in that in that in that section, you put one of those small little banner ads that slides in like you said, cuz you can pick that. Or you could do it in post-roll. And that's what gets me. It's like Nintendo is getting free marketing. They have an entire marketing company at their disposal courtesy of the gaming public. Why would you stifle that? Why would you hinder that? Why would you hinder some of that creativity? Think about it. Guys like PewDiePie and some of these other streamers that they're making millions upon millions of dollars doing this. Yes, they're making millions upon millions, but think about how many videos they got to crank out to do that. And this is the problem too. We are we're a society that, you know, we don't want commercials. We don't want banner ads. We don't want this, we don't want that, but yet we want everything to be free. And you know what it is, dude, running running my brand and and you know, Rageworks as a company, I start realizing that sometimes you can't do that shit. Cuz people got to get fucking paid. Either that or you gotta pay for the stuff you want to have. Thank you. Like, like that's the thing that bothers me. Like, people are like, like Hulu. I'll give you an example. Hulu, I can't stand it because if I'm paying for the service, if I'm paying a premium for a service, I don't want to see a fucking commercial because I'm paying. But if I'm so that using comes right back to games, I mean, we don't see it as much anymore. Right? Or maybe I don't see it because. I don't play EA games, really. But if I'm paying $60 for a game, I don't want to even see, like, take a game like a game that I played extensively, Burnout Paradise. I don't want to see Burger King billboards as I'm driving along. Yeah, but see, that doesn't bug me because that, that adds real-world appeal to it, and that's just product placement. It's the same with movies and TV shows. What I don't like is that when adds it's... adds real-world appeal, but... You take a similar game where you're driving along a, a, a simulated area. Right. Grand Theft Auto Five. Okay. It has ads, but they're made up ads within the world of the game. Right. They're but, not actual advertisements. Right, but you also got to remember you're also looking at two different companies that approach the gaming industry a little differently. You know, Rockstar just they don't give a shit. You know how they are. EA's all EA's trying to get paid every which way they can. And that just boils down to methodology and, and, and marketing practices. 
I'll be honest, dude, if I created a game and I'm trying to get paid and they go, listen, we want, you know, if I'm doing a driving game and they're like, hey, would you be interested in in having Goodyear tires in the game? You know, we'll pay you X amount of money. Fuck yeah. You want to know why? Because rent got to get fucking paid. And I got to eat. Yeah, but the thing is, if you made a game, right? talking about rich, if you made a game and advertisers are paying costs that normally you would have had to pay out of pocket right. to make the game, you probably would pass at least some of that savings on to the consumer. Yes. A $60 game would be 55 or $50. This is true. And that's, but that's, again, and that's the old, the old saying, you know, one hand washes the other and both wash the face. If you have a company like Burger King coming into the mix and throwing serious advertising revenue into a game, then you should absolutely pass that on to the, to the gamers, whether it's free updates on a game for life or, you know, for the life of the title or a discounted price. Absolutely. But again, I'm not going to knock the dudes for trying to get paid. I do agree with what you're saying that there should be, there should be a, you know, just a happy medium. Unfortunately, it's either one extreme or the other. It's either we don't have advertising or we have it and it's overdone and it's not handled correctly. Like I said, if I created a racing game and Goodyear came up to me and said, hey, we want you to use our tires and Clarion said, you know, we want you to use our stereo in the in, you know, inside the the cockpit mode of the car or, you know, things like that. Or if it's, you know, good, like I said, just different companies m&ms for a paint job or whatever the case may be so be it but again that game at that point if i made you know a million two million dollars in product placement revenue that game's not going to be sixty dollars definitely not it would be 50 or 40 or it would be 60 and i'd say all the dlc for the life of the game is free because you know we made money x but the problem is that the, the, the medium of big business is is always up for interpretation. And again, the Joker said it best in, ba- in, in, you know, in the dark night. If you're good at something, you never do it for free. And, and these are the facts, dude. And if YouTubers and streamers and vloggers are going through all this trouble to buy your games with their money, mind you, not getting them for free. And they're sharing let's plays and commentary and all this stuff and really showing their appreciation for the game. You're really going to fucking hound them because they're making five cents a click. Are you fucking kidding me? You got their money. Am I wrong? It's big business and it's really, in a way, it's big bullshit. It is big bullshit. But but think about it. Think about it from, from that example. Like, you're playing Dying Light. You like the game, you reviewed the game, you wrote an incredible review, you gave the game a great score, you're going to stream the game. Say that you put the game up and you put a couple of Let's Plays on YouTube and the people are like, man, you know, this slick guy's having a good time with the game. Shit, maybe I should pick it up. What did you just do for a game that had no marketing? You just helped them sell a copy. You did that. you, You did a better sales job than the company did. And you can't make your lousy five or ten cents a click? Are you kidding me? It's like it's like motherfucker. I'm part of the reason why y'all are are buying this game. Again, Nintendo hustling backwards. You have all these IPs, all these IPs that are out there. Don't you want to sell fucking consoles? 
dude, stream every fucking game you want because we got to sell units. We're trying to get paid. Why do you think Microsoft and Sony embraced the streaming, the streaming community? Because they knew that, yo, this is free press for us. Well, they embraced the streaming community on their console. Of course. a little bit different. It, it doesn't... It doesn't allow that person, if they're using the console, it doesn't allow them to monetize. And also the streaming on, I can't speak for the Xbox One, so Danny can chime in, but on the PS4, the streaming on the uh, on the PS4 is purposely downscaled. Like, you can't see the game in the same quality that the player is seeing it. Right, it, but- it's like purposely by comparison, it's like I think it's like four eighty. It looks like shit. Well, I've streamed on the Xbox One, and usually what I end up doing is I end up capturing the video clips, exporting them to OneDrive, and then just editing or uploading them as I see fit. That's usually the way I've done it with most of the highlights that I've shared for Xbox One. But here's here's the thing: I look at console streaming as the gateway. In other words. You got a 12, 13-year-old kid that's kind of on the fence about streaming. Maybe the parent doesn't want to go and buy the laptop and buy the capture card and buy all the shit. But that kid may get his little 15 minutes of fame for sharing his gameplay online. And who knows? It may spark creativity. Inspiration comes from the unlikeliest of places. Like I wrote on my personal Facebook a, a, a day ago. I You know, I said... I, hey, we broadcasted episode 270 of My Take Radio. This was yesterday. And I said, who would have thought that me calling into video game news radio with Kevin and Brian and, and you know, working with, with Blaine from, from Born Stubborn Radio would have led to where I am today? Inspiration comes from the most from the most unlikely of places. And it's like that kid that may stream his game may have some personality, may have some creativity. That may be the next PewDiePie that just got his start fucking around on a console. You get what I'm saying? Oh, no, I'm not. It's absolutely a good thing that streaming is available from these new consoles without needing any additional devices. All you right. need is your TV, your console, and the Internet. Right. All I was saying is, there's really no reason for them to dumb down the video quality to, to the people that are watching because oh, yeah. that dumbed down video quality that also translates to if somebody's using PS4 SharePlay. Like if I, if let's say if you were the one that was playing Dying Light and you said here, you know, when using the SharePlay, you play it, try it out, see if you like it. I can play the game, but I'm not seeing it in the same. You know, I'm not seeing it in high definition. Right. It's going to pixelated as shit. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's HDCP. And like anything else, you know, they're going to give you the bare bones. You know, they're going to give you the bare bones features. I mean, when I streamed on Xbox One, I had streamed, I believe, Killer Instinct. And, you know, Danny says that it's delayed and she doesn't know if people are watching. I agree. Don't get me wrong. The interface is bullshit. I mean, the concept is great. You know, whatever. I'm going to stream this game. Let's have at it. You know, and I got this camera that comes with the console. Hey, look at me. I'm playing a game. Hooray. But um, the fact is that at that point, then, you know, if you want a better presentation, like what I usually do is I have, you know, my little laptop, 
tablet hybrid and I have it open on the table. And, you know, I look at the Twitch feed while it's running and I just play the game. And then if people interact, they interact. That's that's the that's the way I do it. And that's kind of one of the issues as well. It's like if you're going to at least do the feature, go all in and establish a relationship with these companies where they can help you build the shit from the ground up. That's exactly what I'm saying. When you were talking about the reverse hustling, yep. there's literally no reason why if you're specifically using your PS4 or your Xbox One to stream your game and I'm watching it through my PS4 that I should be seeing it in like 480p while you're playing it in 1080p. There's no reason why... I shouldn't see it in 1080p. I agree. Where if you have the the device and you're actually streaming through your computer, then I would see it in 1080p as long as I use that setting on my computer and have a decent enough connection to have it play, you know, have it stream at that speed and at that resolution. No, I, I, I think I, you know, I definitely feel that you're onto something with that because it's true. It's like, it's like if I'm playing the shit in HD, why can't you see the shit in HD? It's like you're dumbing it down on purpose. It's like watching that scrambled cable channel and and thinking that you're seeing a booby. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly was, it. Was that a nipple? No, that was that was snow. Yeah, that was snow. You're like you're like oh man, the channel's got uh, uh, wait wait. You know, that's and that's kind of how it is, I think. And, and again, I think that they wanted to put the feature there because they wanted to tell people, hey, you could stream. They didn't say that the streaming was going to be good. They just said, hey, you could stream. Exactly. I mean, you know, I, I, let me, don't get me wrong. I've done streaming and I've seen some stuff. But some of these guys, you know, if you if you look at some of their setups, man, they're on a whole other level. These guys got lighting kits. They got like full uh, studio lighting kits and you know, HDMI camera, they got a camera running HDMI into, you know, a really high-end laptop or MacBook, and, you know, they're fully streaming, and these guys, you know, got a thousand, two thousand people watching them play, it's crazy, like, like, I spent, I spent a decent amount of money to get a, a good rig for the show, and it's like, if I want to stream and really take it to that level, I'm like, I can't even do that shit, like Danny said, it's sponsors. Yep, it's sponsors. It's their livelihood, and 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 you know, for anybody that's that's interested in streaming, listen. Yeah, part of it is being on camera, but at the end of the day, it's you. Once again, like I said when we started the show, it's you that's selling the product, you that's selling the game. Anybody can stream Call of Duty, but you got to hold my interest in me watching you run around and shoot people, either by being funny or talking about interesting stuff. But you know how many times I see streams that are fucking silent, silent. Like I'm like, uh, okay, this is great. I'm watching someone else play. This is fantastic. <laughs> you know, like I like the interaction. The couple of times that I've streamed and I'm fucking ranting like a lunatic. It's almost like if I'm on air now, and you know, people interact and they say what they got to say, and it's cool. You know, it, I, it, you know, I have a good time with it. it. Am I gonna be out there streaming on the regular? Nope, because my rig is nowhere near that level. That's why I end up usually recording stuff and then editing and uploading it with a commentary track because I, I don't think I can multitask effectively playing a game and talking shit at the same time. Yeah, I mean, my thing is sometimes when I'm playing with people, they're like, you still there? Yep. I'm like, oh, well, sorry, I was focused on this one part. Exactly, and that's what happens, dude. Like, streaming isn't for everybody, but at least if you're going to stream, have a good time, 
you know, start out small if you're looking to get into it with consoles and then, you know, buy a capture card. Like I use an Elgato, you know, I paid, I think, 170 at the time. It's gotten a little cheaper and that's it, man. Some HDMI. And if you want to try and do like commentary and shit, Reddit and YouTube and, you know, forums are your friends if you want to get into that. Yeah, you know me, I use the live game of Portable, and the great thing about that is you can stream or you can record. You can use a whistle without a computer. So. That's right. So that was a big thing at the time. I remember that, dude, but us anyway. going through that. So I did want to tell you, and I'm, I'm glad you actually called in so I can share this with you. Uh, 45 million copies of GTA V have been sold on all consoles, meaning that's all the 45 million GTA V copies went to retailers. That means that, and, and here's a crazier number, 10 million copies of the game were shipped for PS4 and Xbox One alone. I have an even crazier number for you that's going to piss a lot of people off. Shoot. Zero of those copies were on PC. Nope, because the PC version isn't coming out till March 24th. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know you know what you know what they get for that right that you know what they got to get for that and this is the this is what i said when um i figured that this would be the perfect thing for that for anybody that's a pc gamer that's looking out that's waiting for it to come out on pc you pretty much got this courtesy of rockstar that's what you got you got straight hassan <laughs> chopped that's what you got. Rockstar said, uh, nah. <laughs> oh, you got this 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 $5,000 PC with, with an ultra refresh rate and a 4K monitor? Yeah, we don't care about you. We don't give a shit. Oh, you spent all this money to build this rig? Nope. Don't give a fuck about you? Nope. Not happening. I mean, they, they care because they want their money, but they're really dragging their ass. Yeah, dude, but think about it. The game comes out March 24th. Anybody who has a, who's a hardcore PC gamer has to own a console. I've known very very few guys that are hardcore PC gamers that own that don't own a console for one or two games to have some fun with. Very few. I remember there was this one guy. He thought I was insulting him, and he just took it really the wrong way. I'm like, dude, you're not you're missing the point. I was complimenting you because me personally. Let's, let's, let's look at it in perspective. Grand Theft Auto V originally released, what was it? October, September. September. Was it September 2013? It was either September or October, one or the other. But it's been pretty much a year and a half. Right. Me personally, I couldn't wait a year and a half knowing that my Grand Theft Auto game is in stores. Yep. Just to play it on PC. There you Unless go. I only had a PC. Yeah, dude, but at that point, it's like, why why bother waiting at that point? Yeah, I mean, shit, I mean, I can get Grand Theft Auto 3 for like 40 bucks now, or 30 bucks. There you go. And this is what I'm saying, like, like, but, but like, you know, to go back to what we were saying, like, Take 2 is just laughing all the way to the bank. Because remember when, before Grand Theft Auto 5 was announced on next-gen consoles, you said... I wouldn't be shocked if they dropped that game on next gen. And I said, yep. And motherfuckers would be mad, but they'd buy the shit anyway. Exactly. I bought it. <laughs> they go. And you were mad initially until you saw the difference in graphics between one and the other. You're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, they added in some extra dogs and stuff. Yep. I remember when I sent you the video clip. They had them dogs. They also added cats. 
I mean, they also had to kill the whales and shit, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah. I mean, it, it it does. There is a significant visual difference in experience, and the game is a bit different because there is considerably more traffic. But I mean, really, it is still the same game on <laughs> PS3 that it is on PS4. You know, vice versa. Like it's they added in stuff. Like the biggest thing is the first person mode and. Me not being, uh, unless it's a game like, again, like Die Light, I'm not big on first-person gaming, so that didn't really do it for me, especially since I cannot, I don't know why, I can't play a driving game in the cockpit. I'm I can't terrible. either. Dude, I can't do it either. Don't feel bad. But you know what's funny? I like your, your slight begrudging tone. You're like, it's essentially the same game. Because <laughs> you know what it is. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I gave it a good rating. Of as, course you did. You know, just the game, because the game itself is fantastic. It doesn't matter where you play it. But yeah, dude, the game is the game. you got it on PS3, do you need it on PS4? Oh. Dude, the game is the game, and 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 I and I respect that. But it's just it's just funny because everybody you you know yourself included. Same thing with Last of Us. Everybody's like, yeah, I picked up the Last of Us on the PS4. I'm like, didn't you buy the shit on the PS3? Yeah. Why'd you buy it on the PS4? I don't know. It looks good. <laughs> Just with the clenched teeth. Yeah, the, the one that killed me was Tomb Raider, the definitive edition. I was like, first of all, for anybody who adds the definitive edition to the rehash they put on these new consoles. That just means the one with all the bullshit. Can can you stroke me off before you give me that bullshit, please? (laughs) Because all you did was add some extra hair physics to Lara Croft. That's really old. Thank you. (laughs) That's what that was. That's how you felt. Dude, I I got the game for free. I think it was from PS Plus. I got it free from PS Plus. Do I need to play the definitive edition to feel complete? Not really. <laughs> That's just me. Especially that game, which it's like they threw in that fucking multiplayer. And I was like, who wants multiplayer with Tomb Raider? Same Get people. The fuck out of here. Same people that love multiplayer and Uncharted. <laughs> no, but to see the difference is Uncharted pretty much started multiplayer and on, on, on Uncharted two. Right. And it was at least decent. The multiplayer on Tomb Raider, from, this is from people that played it, it sucks. <laughs> it's really bad. Some people are, some games aren't meant to be multiplayer, dude. Just facts. But with that said, I figured I'd share that, uh, that GTA 5 tidbit. Um, other than that, that's actually going to wrap up the segment, unless you have anything else you want to add? No, I'm good for, for gaming. All right, brother. I appreciate the assist, as always. All right, man. Peace. That was our very own Slick. You can find him on Twitter at RW Slick. I believe it's RW underscore Slick, if I'm correct. If I'm not, I'm sure he will correct me in the chat, and I will put it in the show notes. Um, Again, make sure to give him a follow. Slick is starting to get more active on Twitter, which is good for his soul and his well-being. So uh, definitely hit him up. It's at RW underscore Slick. All right, so as I said, that is going to wrap up our gaming segment for this week. Let's get into the entertainment news. We got lots to discuss. We got a lot of movie news. I definitely want to share my thoughts on the rumored and pretty much confirmed female Ghostbusters casting. So let's get that ball rolling, shall we?
right. So as I said, the Hollywood Reporter officially confirmed the brand new uh, all-female ensemble for the Ghostbusters 3 film. Um, it's going to be Paul Fage. Uh, he pretty much has his cast. It's going to be Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy, Leslie Jones, and Kate McKinnon. So as of right now, those are those are the ladies that are involved, and they're in the final round of negotiations to set that up. Now, the thing is that there were a lot of people that were very vocal about the quote-unquote females Ghostbusters film and the female Ghostbusters film. And when I heard and I read some of the commentary, I was really tripped out, and I'll tell you why. Bill Murray hasn't really wanted to do the film, you know? Dan Aykroyd has been eh, back and forth. Ernie Hudson would do the film for, you know, a Coke and a smile. And I don't know. Ivan Reitman, you know, Harold Ramis, those guys, Ivan Reitman, obviously, you know, whatever. Harold Ramis, kind of dead. Kind of dead. So, you know, it's like anybody that wanted a Ghostbusters film with the core cast, I, I hate to break it to you. It, you know, it was never going to happen. And yes, there were rumors that they were going to have a younger cast and that the old guys would kind of pass the torch to the young guys. That fell by the wayside the minute Harold Ramis died. That's it. It is what it is. Yes, you got Kristen Wiig, who, depending on who you ask, they consider her funny. I think she's all right. I don't think she's setting the world on fire, but she's all right. Melissa McCarthy, again, funny but it depends on who you ask is it funny because she's big girl funny or is she funny because she's genuinely funny again it depends on who you ask leslie jones and kate mckinnon also you know good casting i I, you know the body of work for both ladies uh not a lot of which has been on my radar but i don't have any issues with it because i gotta take a wait and see approach you know I got to take a wait and see approach with it. Simple as that. Think about it. You know, what were you going to do? Were you going to cast, I don't know, Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller, the, the, the Ed Helms from the fucking office, who's a fucking hack. I can't stand that guy. Steve Carell, you know, the usual suspects. It's like, yo, live a little. Either the shit is good or the shit is not. That's it. As long as they didn't put Leslie Mann in there, who I can't fucking stand, it's all good. I'll live. I'll live with an all-female Ghostbusters. Let me see a trailer. Let me see if it looks remotely funny, and we'll take it from there. That's it. People are on Twitter and Facebook and, you know, Reddit, and they're just like, oh, this is going to be bullshit. It's going to suck. It's like, listen. It's a it's four women announced for a film that hasn't even begun shooting yet. Wait to see how the shit pans out. It's either going to be good or not. And if it's not good, you'll you'll reinforce that by not going to see it. But, you know, Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy, everybody's trying to to say, oh, well, you know, they were good in Bridesmaids and Bridesmaids was funny. I saw Bridesmaids. It was all right. What? Because they shit on some on, on they shit on some dresses, and they did a little potty humor. Oh yeah, revolutionary! I've been watching toilet humor since I was a fucking kid, going back to the days of Revenge of the Nerds and Porky's, and Summer School and Ski School and all those other fucking terrible films. 
that they used to give late at night on cable. Miracle Beach, Mannequin, you know, there's been all kinds of, of body humor jokes for as long as, as, you know, for as long as I've been watching film, I've seen it. Bridesmaids wasn't as revolutionary as motherfuckers thought. I hate to break it to you. It was all right. Again, that's coming from me. You either agree or you don't, but not, not a big deal. Didn't set the world on fire. Hate to break it to you. <laughs> anyway, so we already know that we got the Flash, we got Arrow, we got Gotham, we got an upcoming Supergirl show, which I'm going to discuss. We got a Teen Titans show, which I'm going to discuss. But you know what, what, what television really needs? An X-Men TV series. Yeah, that's right. The X-Men are coming back to the small screen, but it's going to be pretty much a show focusing on some of the lesser known X-Men. Meaning, no Wolverine, no Cyclops, no Storm, none of that. They're trying to go with um, just a more, you know, a young cast focusing on some of the more obscure X-Men. Simple as that. I, I don't have a problem with this. I just feel that much like the oversaturation of superhero films, I feel that the overabundance of superhero TV shows is going to blow up in everyone's face. And again, X-Men without the X-Men is just not going to fucking work. I hate to say it. What are you going to use? Marrow and, you know, some Nate Gray. Uh, who else? Who else are some lesser known X-Men and nobody gives a shit about? Um, not Havoc. Havoc is kind of well known. But Polaris, Strong Guy, Multiple Man, Jamie Madrox. Um, you know, just, again, some some bullshit. Come on, guys, just leave it alone. Leave the shit alone. Just make the X-Men movies and and leave it at that. (laughs) Madrox and Gray are dead. Again, small screen universe. I'm trying to come up with motherfuckers that nobody gives a shit about. I really could give two shits about multiple men. I don't give a shit. Oh, Leech is a good one. Thank you, Slick. I forgot about him. Um... Who's another who's another fucking real shitty X-Men character? Who was the guy that always looked like um that always looked like his mouth was on fire? Slick, you know who I'm talking about. It was a guy that they used to make an action figure of this guy. He always wore a black trench coat and like his mouth and his chest always looked like they were on fire. That guy was the fucking worst too. One of the most lame fucking characters ever. Another fucking shitbag one. Yes, from Generation X. That, yep, that guy. But that's what I mean. Those are the, Chamber. Thank you, Slick. Again, those are the kind of characters you're going to throw in an X-Men TV series. Nobody's going to give a shit. You know what an X-Men TV series without any of the real X-Men is? Heroes. (laughs) That's what that is. I hate to break it to you guys. An X-Men TV series without the X-Men is heroes. That's it. (laughs) Hate to break it to you. Anyway. So we've been bouncing around the idea of an Independence Day sequel for a couple of a couple of shows now. I'd like to say for at least three to six months, we've mentioned it in some capacity. Well, 
The newest rumor is that Liam Hemsworth is going to be the lead in the sequel for Independence Day, which as of right now is titled ID Forever. Uh, Listen, Independence Day, when it came out, made a shitload of money. I worked in the movie theater when that movie came out, and it was a line of people. And I'm talking about a line that would go down down the street for this film. It is a film that has aged terribly. Has anybody tried to watch Independence Day lately? You watch it and you say to yourself, wow, this shit fucking sucks. It's happened on more than one occasion. Do we need another Independence Day? Nope. Is it going to happen? Yep. And on top of that, we're going to get the lesser of the Hemsworth brothers as the lead. But um, as of right now, it looks like June 24th, 2016 is the target date for us to see a brand new Independence Day on the big screen. I pray for us all that it does not get made. <laughs> I really do. So the other thing I wanted to talk about, and this has been making the rounds for the last couple of weeks. Um, I wanted to talk about it last week. And of course we didn't do the show, but it, it's a rumor involving everyone's favorite, which is Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt is uh, American Benedict Cumberbatch. Everybody loves him. Everything he does is gold according to, you know, the general public. So there's a rumor floating around that Disney would like to have Chris Pratt be the uh, brand new Indiana Jones. Now bear with me for a second. Last time we saw Indiana Jones, he was playing second banana to Shia on that last utterly terrible Indiana Jones film. Harrison Ford has expressed interest on a couple of different occasions of revisiting the role But let's be realistic. Harrison Ford is going to be tied up with Star Wars for the foreseeable future. And do we really need another Indiana Jones where he's essentially playing Sean Connery's role? Not really. Now, if you're going to try and establish a brand new a brand new Indiana Jones mythology on par with Pirates of the Caribbean as a franchise, I could see Chris Pratt doing it. I'll be honest. I think he can pull it off. He has the right amount of screen presence. He has good comedic timing and Indiana Jones is just, you know, it's a timeless, it's a timeless series. I enjoyed all the Indiana Jones films up until that last one. So I'm willing to give it a shot. I mean, you know, Chris Pratt right now is in high demand, you know, with the success of Guardians of the Galaxy and of course, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, his involvement in the Marvel Universe as a whole. So, you know, Harrison Ford is always going to be indie to me, but I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent against seeing Chris Pratt you know, don the hat and use the whip. I mean, I think it would be kind of cool to see. I mean, but then again, like I said, Chris Pratt is the newest Hollywood darling. Everybody wants him to play everything. So we'll see what happens. Take it with a grain of salt right now. If um, if it does happen or if we get further information, we will definitely share it with you guys. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we were talking about the Supergirl TV series that they're putting out. Uh, on CBS and they already got their their Supergirl actress they already got uh, Melissa Benoist from uh, Glee is going to be playing Supergirl so uh, McCad Brooks who many of you may know from True Blood or from some of the other um, more obscure t- uh, cable series I've seen him in a couple of other series but I know him primarily as Eggs in True Blood he's African-American he played um he's going to be playing Jimmy Olsen in this brand new Supergirl series. Now, 
Um, basically, you know, Supergirl is going to be Kara Zor-El, and, um, you know, Berlanti Productions is going to put it out in conjunction with Warner Brothers on CBS. Um, yes, Jimmy Olsen is being played by an African-American actor. When the announcement was made, again, people took to the internet, keyboard warriors, I can't believe that Jimmy Olsen is black, blah, 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 it's fucking stupid that Jimmy Olsen's got to be a black guy. And I'm just like, it's no different than them making Human Torch black. But making Human Torch black was the most randomest thing ever. It's totally different. Making Jimmy Olsen black, who gives a shit? Jimmy Olsen is probably one of the most obscure bullshit characters in in, in the DC universe. I'm sorry to say it. He's just a young kid. Hey, Mr. Kent, can I get you a coffee? Who gives a shit? Black, white, purple, green. I don't care. He could be he could be Juan Olsen and be Hispanic. I don't give a shit. It's a character that doesn't matter. Jimmy Olsen's about as essential as Perry White. It's like when people complain when Lawrence Fishburne was Perry White in Man of Steel. Again, a character no one gives a shit about. No one. But yet all of a sudden everybody's all, oh, why does Perry White have to be black? Would you like him to be Perry Black? Maybe that'll help you feel better. This is Perry Black. He's a black guy. Like, I'm serious. Like, who cares? Like, I can understand if it's core characters and certain changes, but if the characters are changed for the sake of, you know, continuity, like, I'll give you guys an example. Ultimate Marvel Universe. Completely established universe with completely different takes on characters. Um... Nick Fury was African-American and they borrowed that to use Sam Jackson in the Marvel films. Okay. Marvel 616, reactionary as it may be, introduced Nick Fury Jr., African-American Nick Fury, into the regular Marvel Universe as the son of regular Nick Fury. Again, sometimes it's understandable because something has been established, but if you're just rewriting shit For the sake of rewriting it, it's stupid. Like, people complained when Michael Clark, the late Michael Clark Duncan, played the Kingpin in Daredevil because, I don't know, the Kingpin is a big white guy. But there's not that many giant, imposing white guys. I mean, special effects and technology have evolved quite a bit over the last few years, so you can probably do that now with relative ease. But back then, you needed a physical commanding presence, and if anybody had it, It was the late Michael Clark Duncan. Grow the fuck up, people. Seriously. Like, I can understand if people are upset about mainstream characters, but secondary characters, tertiary characters, who gives a shit? Who cares? Who cares that Jimmy Olsen is black? I sure as fuck don't. Stupid. Slick says, no one complained about Pete Ross being black in Smallville. He was originally white. That is correct. But again, people just want to jump on board and complain about shit for the sake of of complaining. Again, African-American Human Torch, eh, only because for as long as I've seen Fantastic Four, whether it's 616 or Ultimate or whatever other incarnation, Johnny Storm has been a white guy. Now, if you would have done Ultimate Fantastic Four in, you know, when the Ultimate Universe was established and you made... Johnny Storm African-American, then fuck it, so be it. 
because it's a different take on that particular universe. But if his characters remain unchanged, has remained unchanged, you know, I have issue with that. I do. But I only have issue not because it's an African-American actor playing a white guy, but just because there's no there's no continuity basis for it. Like Heimdall, when everybody complained about Idris Elba playing Heimdall and Heimdall being African-American, my response was, who gives a fuck about Heimdall? The guy is essentially the doorman of Asgard. That's pretty much it. Motherfuckers Benson of Asgard and people are complaining that he was African-American. Who gives a shit? Who looked, who looked for that character? Nobody looked for him. It's like, it's like, it's like, (laughs) slick, get out of here with that. (laughs) Fucking shit. It's like, um, Sif and the Warriors three. Notice the key word here, Sif and the Warriors 3, meaning that everybody needs to know who Sif is, but nobody gives a shit about the Warriors 3. <laughs> it's, it's as easy as that. Nobody gives a shit. Stop complaining about characters that have zero bearing on mainstream continuity. Anyway, moving on. It looks like Bradley Cooper and... American Sniper had a three-peat this past weekend, earning the number one slot, $31.9 million, bringing its grand total to $248.9 million. Paddington came in at number two. Project Almanac, surprisingly, came in at number three. Black or White came in at number four. The Boy Next Door, a.k.a. J-Lo Sleeping With Your Neighbor, came in at number five. The Wedding Ringer was number six. The Imitation Game came in at number Seven taken three was at number eight, earning an additional three point seven million dollars, adding to its total of eighty one point four million. Strange Magic was number nine and the loft was number ten. Slick writes Murica keeping them movies on top. You know what the thing is? I don't want to get political. I don't want to get into ideologies because that's a show. That's a show in and of itself. But American Sniper is just a good film. Whether you agree or disagree with with the, you know, the rationale of war, you also got to remember that this is war being told from a Hollywood perspective. It is art. It is not life. It's the same thing when people, you know, with Foxcatcher and any of these films based on real events. There's a lot of shit that Hollywood has to do to make things interesting. It's like when people say to me, you know, Rich, you should write a book about your life because your life is really interesting. And it's like, I have a couple of interesting portions of my life, but the bulk of my life is doing the show, waking up, going to work, going to the gym, eating dinner, coming home, working on the site, wash, rinse, and repeat. Yes, every day has its fair share of moments, but it's not something that's going to fill a fucking book. Same thing with films like Saving Private Ryan, American Sniper, You know, you go through all these different films and you see them and yes, they paint horrible depictions of war, but let's be realistic. War sucks. You know, war isn't, you know, a feel good type of situation. People die. People get killed on a regular basis. The men and women of our our armed forces in this country or any other got to go out there and make some hard fucking choices. And Hollywood chose to bring this story to the big screen and and show some of those choices. 
whether you're pro-America, anti-America, whatever the case may be, the fact is that it is it is a film and it is art. Yes, it's based on real world events, but Hollywood did take their fair share of liberties. You know, no, war isn't pretty. It's not. Like if you watch HBO's Generation Kill, I think it was the best depiction of what war is really like. War is hell. You know, you talk to any of our of of our men and women who have served in the front lines in the trenches. You know, they got their fair share of good you know, stories of camaraderie, but they also got stories about kids being strapped with roadside with fucking explosive vests and roadside bombs that you got to worry about. If you got to walk over and take a leak that you may blow your leg off in the process. It's like, give me a break, man. Everybody tries to make films political. It's like, yo, it is a film again, a movie. It is for you to distract, for you to think, for you to separate yourself from the reality that's around you. That's what it is. Stop looking for deeper meaning in things that don't really require deeper thought. I'm serious. People are people jump on social media and they complain about, you know, American sniper, but these are the same people that probably have never voted. These are the, these are the same people who have never done anything to improve their community. These are people that have never volunteered donated a red cent and they jump out of their skin to complain about something that nobody gives a shit about. If people were as passionate about, you know, poverty, homelessness, the fact that in this country there's there are children that sleep on the street. If people were that passionate about shit like that, the same way they are to bitch about stuff that's just irrelevant, we'd be better off. But no, we're a bunch of fucking pillow pants soft fucking motherfuckers. And that's the bulk of us. These are the facts. So before you jump on Facebook, oh, American sniper, shut up, shut the fuck up and accept it for what it is. It is a movie. It is a source of entertainment. It is not a depiction of real life. Not every soldier looks like Bradley Cooper. Hate to break it to you. You know, there are men and women that have served and fought for this country that are walking around with one leg, one arm, glass eye. It's not all fucking, you know, sunshine and rainbows, folks. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, let's uh, wrap this up and wrap up with the remainder of the entertainment news for the week. So, as I mentioned at the start of the show, we are uh, we finally got some news with regards to the Teen Titans series, which is going to be airing on TNT, which is going to be called The Titans. And we finally got a list of what ca- what characters we expect to see in the series, courtesy of Nerdist. Of course, we're going to see Nightwing. We're going to see Barbara Gordon, who is going to be the Oracle version of Barbara Gordon. We're going to see Hawk and Dove, Raven, and Starfire. Now, people, of course, were instantly curious as to why... Um, Beast Boy and Cyborg were not there. There's rumors that Beast Boy could show up later, but it seems that Warner Brother wants to keep Cyborg as a member of the Justice League for now. Now, the other thing that we don't know is if the series is going to exist in the same established universe as The Flash or Green Arrow. That has not been confirmed, but those are the characters that we will be seeing in the Titans TV series. So, 
it's going to be very interesting just because they're trying to do all these shows and they're really trying to keep them in a bubble outside of, you know, Metropolis and Gotham City, which is I, I have issue with it because a character like Dick Grayson learning about leadership and learning how to how to lead a team and, and just be uh, his own hero. A lot of those fundamentals were established due to his relationship with Batman and a lot of that stuff was just from a direct correlation of his relationship as Robin with Batman. So it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting to see how they bring that together. And, um, allegedly what they're saying is he's going to start out as Robin at the beginning of the show and has left working with Batman. And of course, at that point becomes Nightwing. Um, you know, I think, I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And, like I said, the Nightwing character is an interesting character because there's so much that can be done with him, but you also have to re- respect the fact that there's still that close kinship with Batman. And I have issue with the fact that they're trying to keep these all these series, you know, compartmentalized instead of just establishing that it's part of the the larger mythology as a whole. And I've said this before. You got to keep the shit open. Instead of, you know, just wrapping everything in little boxes and everything exists in its own separate universe. I mean, yes, to a degree, that's fine. But creating an established and unified universe just makes things easier. Slick says that that seeing Beast Boy and Cyborg is 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 relative to seeing CGI TV shows do not have that budget. And you know what? I'm inclined to agree. I mean, Beast Boy's character, while he is pretty cool. I mean, on the cartoons, it definitely worked a lot better than I think it would work on the small screen because unless the effects budget is serious, it's gonna, it's not going to look good transforming him into all this stuff and making it look remotely appealing. Um, I will say this. the um, I'm curious about what they're going to do with Raven because Raven's another character that she needs a fair amount of effects. Uh, Star, I'm, I'm also intrigued to see how they pull off Starfire on the small screen, giving her powers and just the way that she's drawn in the books versus how she's going to be depicted on the small screen. As for when we expect to see Titans right now, there is no definite um, air date for the show. But as soon as I get that and some casting news, I will make sure to share that with you guys. All right. So this next rumor, take this with a big grain of salt. But there's a rumor going around that Brian that Brian Cranston, of course, known for as Walter White in Breaking Bad, um, the dad in Godzilla, the father from Malcolm in the Middle, you know the deal, Heisenberg, um, is in line to possibly play the villain in Star Trek Three. Now that is actually something that I would like to see. I mean, Brian Cranston is a tremendous actor, and I think him playing a role opposite the the star trek cast in these new films would be very very cool i mean i think benedict cumberbatch did a great job in in the last star trek film and i think brian cranston would be awesome alongside the current cast in the star in the star trek films i almost said star wars (laughs) i you know again take it with a rumor but according to film divider uh, Brian Cranston is being eyed for the role of the villain in Star Trek three. Once we get official confirmation, of course, I will let you guys know. Uh, Star Trek three is scheduled to start filming in April with an with an expected July 8th, 2016 release date. Ah, 
Small screen news are definitely very prevalent this week. Um, I'm sure Slick is going to appreciate this, but it looks like we may see the return of Tales from the Dark Side on the CW. Um, if you guys remember, Tales from the uh, from the Dark Side was a staple back in the 80s and right through almost the 90s. I think it ended in 1988 or 1989. It was always a compilation of stories. They usually would give it on Channel 11 or Channel 9, depending on which area you were watching it. But Tales from the Dark Side was a guilty pleasure. I used to watch it all the time. I also used to watch Monsters, um, which they used to give right before Dinosaurs, if I remember correctly. I used to watch Monsters. And, um, you know, those shows, when you used to watch that stuff, I remember Friday the 13th, the series. Shows that really were, they weren't the best shows, but they always had like a really cool plot and a really cool cult following. Uh, Tales from the Dark Side, I pretty much watched religiously from start to finish. I started watching it. Um, I think the show started in 84, 83. I started watching my first episode of Tales from the Dark Side at the age of six. And I watched it all the way through when the show ended at, you know, in, in 88. And um, like I said, I enjoyed it. I mean, you're talking to a, to a guy who still has Tales from the Crypt comic books. And um, I watched, like I said, I watched, I used to watch it with my brother a lot. And it's cool to see that they're going to try and bring it back to the small screen. I mean, with the popularity of shows like Grimm, Supernatural, Constantine, I think Tales from the Dark Side is would be very interesting, especially if they keep a similar theme. I mean, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, which they did, um, which had Debbie Harry and a couple of other actors. Um, I don't have the cast listing in front of me, but Debbie Harry, I remember because she was um, she was going to eat two kids, if I remember correctly. And uh, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, was actually surprisingly good. So I'm going to watch this with a lot of interest because I really would like to see how well it does with a new audience in the CW block. I mean, with Supernatural, iZombie, plus all the other DC shows and the 100, like I said, I think they got a pretty good lineup and I think it would fare well, but we'll see what happens. Once I get a release date, of course, I will share it with you guys. All right, so... To wrap things up, this this bit of news got has me a little hype, a little bit, and I'll tell you guys why. Um, a couple of a couple of months back, we were talking about '80s cartoons and how the bulk of these properties are being turned into films, and most of them are good, most of them are bad. It depends on who you ask. But we talked about stuff that would translate well from the small screen to the big screen. So you know, I talked about Centurions. I talked about some of these other shows, but one show in particular that I mentioned was Mask. Now, if you guys remember, Mask was um, Mask was a, a very, very interesting cartoon that I grew up watching. It, like I said, it was um, you know, one of those staples during the afternoon hour when you'd come home from school and they'd give that. Now, you've probably you've probably heard the the, the acronym before and the character Matt Tracker. Um, at one point was added to another license, and I'm going to get into that in a second, but it looks like we're going to see Mask on the big screen, but not the way you think. According to what Film Divider is reporting, the third G.I. Joe film not only is going to use Tomax and Zaymot, which were the twins that were in countless G.I. Joe cartoons, but they're going to actually introduced the character of Matt Tracker, who, of course, was the leader of Mask. Now, in the old days, when G.I. Joe's license 
when the company that had the G.I. Joe license acquired Mask, they actually added Matt Tracker from Mask as a G.I. Joe specialist. Now, the rumor is that they're using that as a way to introduce Mask to the public and then spin it off into its own film. The 80s kid in me is incredibly hype hearing that. Uh, seeing the twins in, in you know in a G.I. Joe film is going to be really cool if that's if the rumor is true. But the introduction of Mask is was is what has my attention. So if you're if you're an 80s kid and you remember these cartoons, we may be seeing Mask on the big screen. And considering how advanced special effects are, I think that the Mask mythology and the Mask universe would do very, very well. Uh, and considering also all the car licenses that they can use, I think it'll be really cool to see. But again, uh, this is coming straight from Film Divider. We'll see if it's true. And if it is, man, I cannot wait. As of right now, G.I. Joe 3 is tentatively scheduled to hit theaters in 2016. Uh, DJ Caruso is currently tied to the project. All right. So there you have it, guys. A lot of a lot of crazy news this week. Uh, definitely hype for G.I. Joe 3 and Mask. And um, before I close out, Slick did want me to mention the thing about the guy. Get this. I shared this on our Facebook fan page. But this guy actually had plastic surgery done to make himself look like the Red Skull. I've seen a lot of crazy shit in my time. But it's not every day that you read about a guy that wants to look like a Nazi Marvel villain. It's insane. And the fact that, you know, he cut off his nose. So his nose actually looks like the nose that Red Skull had in the Captain America film. He did all this crazy work on his face. It is creepy in every sense of the word. And um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what possesses people to do the shit they do. But it takes a big set of brass balls to decide. I want to look like a Nazi supervillain from a from a Captain America comic. It is out of this world. If you guys want to see a picture of it, head over to our Facebook fan page for Rageworks and you guys can check that out. All right. So with that, that is actually going to wrap up this week's episode of My Take Radio. So let's take it away. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 271, which aired live Thursday, January 5th, 2015. If you want to listen to archive versions of the show, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. If you're getting the show via iTunes, please take a moment and rate the show. We'd really, really appreciate it. If you want the best My Take Radio experience, you can download the official My Take Radio app available for Android, iOS, and Windows mobile devices. It's $1.99. You get 96K stereo episodes of the show, plus other exclusive content as well. Just a quick reminder, all the official archive shows for My Take Radio are on RageWorks.net. They are no longer being posted on MyTakeRadio.com. Please read the post that says, where are my My Take Radio shows? And it will explain everything to you as we continue the migration of MyTakeRadio.com into RageWorks.net. If you guys went to MTRLive.com to watch the show and were forwarded to RageWorks, that's going to be the name of the game going forward. All right, on behalf of myself, Slick, and the rest of the My Take Radio and RageWorks crew, I will see you guys next week. Thanks for watching. I'm out of here. Peace.
Yeah. <laughs> That's all, folks.